it's a new way of thinking about it and the kind of the evolution of the sharing economy. I think we're sort of the next logical step. Uh, a lot of people are like, man, I can't believe nobody else has done this since, you know, haven't thought of this earlier. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, before we get into this week's episode, I've got something I am so excited to share with you guys. For the last couple of years, we've been recruiting and training virtual assistants for our private mastermind students, and we have now a officially open that up to the public. So if you are looking to hire a virtual assistant for your short-term rental business, then go to strsecrets.com slash VA and we will recruit, onboard, and train a VA for you. And if they don't save you at least 40 hours a month in admin work, then you don't pay. So I put a crazy guarantee on this because I've been testing this out for the last two years with our mastermind members. And I'm so confident that it works that if it doesn't, randomly work for you, I'm literally going to give your money back. So if you want more info on that offer, head over to strsecrets.com slash VA. And now let's get to this week's episode. All right. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here as always with my brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, E? My brother, so good to see you. Uh, it's been a little minute, so I'm excited to be back with you. Man, life has been, life has been good. I... We leave for Italy uh, next Tuesday for a month. And it's crazy how many things you have to do and how much actual time you have to do things when you know you're on a, on a crunch. And some, some days I wish I could like remember that on a day-to-day basis. Is it, is like, it Pareto's principle? I always feel Yeah, that. I don't know what, what, it's one of those principles though, but like, I don't understand why like I have such a hard time living life like that all the time because it will be so... <laughs> So satisfying, bro. You get like weeks and weeks of work done in like a couple of days, and it just like it just shows you like how much you can do when you have the right intention, the right goal, and the right thing to look forward to. You know, so I'm 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 looking forward to that again. Unfortunately, like I, in being completely honest, it's just like I wish our business had that one person that is me. So that when I leave, we could still like grow and onboard new properties. Mm-hmm. Because again, like I'm super grateful that we have the ability to go away for a month. But I'm also very understanding that I'm not yet at the point where I can just leave for a month and continuously onboard properties. So I'm feeling a certain kind of way about that. Um, so it like flat lines, like it's good, but it's not going to grow. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is this, right? Like is is an understanding that like in our evolution as uh, business owners, this is the next little bit that gives you the ultimate freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, if, if not, you can only continue, like you can only grow while you're here. And again, the team is amazing. The team doesn't need me for anything else, just for the growth. But the growth is needed to support the team and to grow the team. Yeah, no, I totally get so it. Is that, is that balance of like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and so it's like going back, recharging. And it also like, I find it so funny, like that, that feeling guilty. 
about by being like, I really shouldn't leave for a month. Like that's too long. Like there's so much oh, momentum. Sure. And then you're like, but then it's life. Like, you know what I mean? Like I also don't, we don't work this hard to not do, this is what we do it. Right. So that's kind of where, I, where I've been at, man. And just, but very grateful, super excited. You know what I mean? It's going to be good. It's going to be needed. What about you? You're enjoying your new house? Yeah, we're not moved in yet. We're getting there. Probably be two more weeks. It's close. It's close to being done. So that's been moving along. Really excited for that. And just had the photo shoot today at the new hotel. Had three rooms like staged for photos so we could start the marketing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully uh, launch the website next week to start taking bookings. Ideally mid-October because it's our high season up here in Salem, Mass. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know. When you do the commercial stuff, you're kind of at the mercy, well, even residential, but more so on the commercial side, you like get the mercy of all the inspectors and everything else. And it's just yeah. tough to give like a definitive deadline, but mm-hmm. I'm optimistic. It's looking really good. I'm loving the way that it's turning out. No, they, so, the girls did a good job. Yeah. It, it looks incredible. Yeah, and and you know, the, the thing with the licensing, it's, it's so true. It's so much both on the residential and the commercial side because we had a house that it's been pretty much ready for the last month and we're just waiting on just final inspections and there is nothing we can do. And our owner is like, when are we doing this inspection? I'm like, bro, we paid for it, schedule, everything is submitted, all the documents is clear, but until they call us to schedule it, there's not much we can do. And so we're like, when you're going through underwrite your numbers, both on a commercial or residential property, just put these things in. Like never estimate that you can go live in, even if you're like, oh, it's just a, a little lipstick on here. We can go live in a month. Just go. You can go live in two months. If you go live in a month, then you're like, awesome, surprise. But then you're not like hurting because you can't control. Yeah. Like you know, what I mean, like hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited for today's guest. We've we've got a we've got a really cool concept that I'm excited to dive into. So uh, today on the show, we've got Sean and Landon Wilkinson. They currently have a portfolio of several short-term rentals between Washington and Montana. Uh, They found SCRs through house flipping and after purchasing multifamily properties across the country. And through owning and managing their own STRs for the last eight years, they came up with an idea of HostShare. And HostShare is a platform that allows owners and hosts of STRs to share last-minute unbooked nights in order to travel for only the cost of cleaning fees. I want to elaborate on that, but I'm going to let them share their story first. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Glad you guys are here. How's it going? Thank you for having How's us. How's it going, guys? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, let's walk us back. First off, how did you guys get into real estate? And then we'll talk about host share after that. Yeah, our, our journey sort of started. We were in a band together um, when I was 16 and Sean was 14. And so, I started a painting contracting company to basically pay for the the band habit and sean is the bass player i'm the guitar player and uh, sean was also our first employee coincidentally and uh <laughs> that was a, a long time ago now um and pretty much sean moved into uh, another city not too far from yakima and uh i'll let him share his stuff but i basically grew the painting company and, and then we started doing some house flipping and then you know got into owning more and more and then fourplex then we ended up um, jumping up to a uh, hundred units in Oklahoma one property and then we ended up getting another 91 unit deal there so we up until about 2021 had about 240 units in Oklahoma and then basically took advantage of the market conditions and, and exited those 
those properties and, and then basically turned a lot of the energy into, we had done short-term rentals for years, but one or two type thing. And then we ended up buying a commercial business storage property and then uh, two other short-term rentals. And so basically since 2020 or so, we've been managing for ourselves. And of course the, the, the broader portfolio is, is uh, shrunk now and we were focusing on, on Hosher. So yeah, it's a bit of my background. Yeah, and I, um, at 17, I, I got into real estate with my first deal. I got, I, I bought a postage stamp lot with two um, mobile homes on it. And, you know, it was creative financing. So I, I put $5,000 down that I'd saved up. And, you know, I have experienced cash flow for the first time, you know, where I, I was renting both sides for $700 and realized at the end of each month, it's like, man, this is, you know, there's 400 extra dollars here. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And so I was able to keep that for a few years. And then I started, I also started buying and selling flip houses and, um, you know, partnering with people. And, and I did that for probably, you know, 10 or 11 kind of good size flips. I really cut my teeth on the construction side. And then I started just really diving into creative finance deals. Cause I was only, you know, I was only 20 at the time. And was just trying to like, how do I, you know, without credit, without really much, without much money, how do I get into like a lot more of this? And so partnered on several deals, um, started a management company and then just started buying rental properties. And then that's kind of what, you know, I, the first house I lived in, my wife and I actually, we, um, we lived in the house and it had a basement to it. And so I was like, man, if we were able to, you know, we lived in an area it's called Walla Walla, Washington. It's wine, like wine country here. I was like, if we're able to, you know, Airbnb the the top, and then we created stairs to the downstairs, and you know, live down there on the weekends, we could pay our mortgage doing that potentially. And so we did that, and it you know, and it worked, and um, you know, and we were able to make a you know an extra sixteen eighteen hundred dollars a month doing that. And so I thought that was pretty cool. And so that was kind of the the start of getting into short term rentals and. Um, you know, and since then we've, we've, we've got a, a couple still in Walla Walla, um, a couple here in Yakima and, you know, um, and then the rest of our portfolio is, is still long-term rentals, but that's what's given us kind of the flexibility, like you were saying in the, in the beginning there, like it's given us the flexibility to, to kind of get out of that business and, you know, and, and start kind of full diving into, into Hoshare. And so that's kind of the, that's kind of the background. Sweet. So w let's talk about Hoshare. So who, how'd you come up with this and what exactly is it? Yeah. So Sean and I are both uh, pilots and I would say that kind of this, the idea started about maybe three years ago to terminate a little bit where we, we went together and we bought a plane with another friend. And so we each put in, you know, a third and now we pay, you know, a third of the hangar costs and the annual inspection costs, all these things. And and like, I don't think there's maybe been one time in the three years where the schedules have overlapped or we've had to like not use it because, you know, somebody like just even with three owners, the shared use never really impacts the accessibility of the, of the airplane. And so it's kind of like, you know, I, I had friends who owned planes for years and it was always so expensive and all this stuff. And it's like, well, man, if you like, even if you had all the money in the world, like it's better for the equipment. Anyways, better asset utilization is kind of what the idea started from but we were we were considering in earlier this year looking at buying a, a sailboat and we live central washington and so the thought was well 
if we buy a sailboat over like in the Puget Sound or, you know, um, San Juan, we're probably only realistically going to be using it for like a month out of the year, you know, like just the, the realities of life and, and whatnot. And so it was like, well, maybe we could do another shared ownership thing. And then we got talking, well, it should be nice if, if there was a way to have a platform where you could have, you know, easily organize all the financial, the finances and the reporting and all of the scheduling in one place for like an asset sharing, you know, program. And so the idea sort of was going to be called pod life. And you basically have a pod kind of like wheels that you travel in and you have, you know, access to the, the shared assets and stuff. And so um, then we kind of kept workshopping it because airplane sharing is, is, you know, across like a broader group and, and like all of these things, better asset utilization was sort of the, what's the simplest way to do that. And then we got talking about our vacancy rates and, and across Airbnb, I think there's 6 million listings, you know, half of those on average sit empty, you know, well, there's 50% occupancy average across the, across the listings on Airbnb. So that's, at an average of $300 per night, that works out to 900, uh, I'm sorry, $330 billion a year in, in basically wasted, you know, lost revenue. And so, you know, we got to think about that. It's like, well, what's the real issue? And it's, well, you know, you can home share, but then you're going to give up revenue. So like platforms like, you know, the, the ones that have been in existence for a long time, home exchange or uh, third home or any of those ones are going to pretty much eliminate short-term rental owners because they they're requiring you to give up revenue nights most likely whereas ours it's being last minute five days in advance is basically a, a, the highest probability of not uh, you know losing revenue from that that booking so you can explain if i missed anything yeah well the main thing is that you're trading vacant nights that we're going to go unbooked anyways for for nights you can go and travel so if you've got a last minute vacancy you're able to it, you might have someone come and stay there, but in turn, you get three weeks of free travel a year. And it's, it's not dependent on if you give that, you know, it's not dependent on if you provide the service to someone else, but you actually just get that by being on the platform. And then our, what, what we do is we track their, you know, um, calendar. So if there is that vacancy within, you know, five days, then it's available on HostShare as well as Airbnb. So it's like a guys' avatar more, the you guys like in terms of like owners trying to like hack their way to like cheaper vacations because it doesn't really sound like something that like a management company would so much like be on necessarily or like where do you guys see like who's your who's your avatar i definitely think we are a perfect avatar for this especially when when we're getting off the ground because because you know to start off we're going to have maybe a handful of, you know, a couple thousand listings, you know, worldwide. And so you have to be able to be more, you know, able to travel on a whim. And as, and as pilots, for instance, we're, we're always at mercy of weather, right? So like, you know, if weather's good, it's like, all right, we'll go last minute and we'll, you know, we'll stay in this place. And, you know, so, so it might, it might be more of like that, that adventurous type person to begin because they'll see an awesome, you know, an awesome listing. that's like a couple hours away. And it's like, Oh, sweet. Like this is available tonight or this is available in a couple of days. Let's go in the future though. When, when you've got, when you've got a scale of, you know, um, several thousand listings, the hope would be that it really just changes the way that people are at least host, um, you know, look at traveling because, because then they can say, I'm going to wait till, you know, five nights before and see what, because most likely if you've got 500 listings on host share in one city, more than likely one of those is going to be, you know, open the, the night you're planning on going somewhere. So 
so I think that in time it will switch, you know, just kind of change some travel, um, some travel patterns for, for hosts. And I mean, um, as it goes from like early adopters right now being opportunistic, like I'm going to go because it's available right now versus when it's like the is adopted as, you know, a much larger platform, they can travel wherever and, and expect to find one available. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're on the platform, you can kind of, do you get a sense of how many properties are in certain markets? So like, you know, if I want to take my family to San Francisco, whatever, and it's like a last minute thing, it's like, all right, they have 25 properties. I'm just throwing out a number in San Francisco. What are the odds that I'll be able to grab like a week there? And right. basically that's, that's the idea. It's like, if I'm a, say a smaller host and I've got a couple properties and it's like, oh, this would be cool. I'm, you know, I'm that stereotypical, like traveler, love Airbnb type yep. person. I can put my property on this platform. And if I don't have my property booked in the next five days, somebody in theory could book it. They cover the cleaning fee. So it's not going to cost me money necessarily. I'm not going to come out of pocket for the cleaning, but then I get up to three weeks vacation at somebody else's spot. Yeah. So it's any home on the platform too. So we have, we have places that are $2,000 a night and they might share, you know, two nights out of the year. But if you're like, again, opportunistic and you're willing to be kind of flexible, you know, your the nights you share, you know, may not even get used and you might have access to like, you know, three weeks of, uh, you know, 20 plus thousand dollars worth of travel value that you're able to get from it. Um, you're, really, you're really strategic. You're strategic. Yeah. 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 So explain that to us again. So let's say, so as soon as I get on the platform, I get uh, three weeks, but Correct. then in terms of like the, how much of my property I have to give up, that's not based on the same three weeks. It's based on the nightly rate of what my property is worth so if i have a property that is like a thousand dollars at night property i don't have to give three weeks worth of it yep yeah and you're probably giving maybe six six nights a year if it's a thousand dollars a night there's a calculator we have on the website if you're curious that under the how it works section you can plug in your nightly rate so you can see exactly you know what kind of a share uh how many nights you'd be sharing and there is not a limit so like you don't have so if you have a property that's $250, $300 a night, you're not capped in terms of like what property you can go and stay to. And you don't have a minimum night. So like if I have a property that's $1,000 a night, is there a minimum of like always at least uh, two nights or, or how does that work? Meaning like a minimum length of stay? Yes. So if your property is $1,000 a night, most likely just because of the, the cleaning fee, I would assume mm -hmm. people are more, you know, but I don't think there'll be a minimum. Like, I, it'll probably just be if, if somebody can grab one night, especially because those are going to be so like, like uh, if you put a thousand dollar night property and that's four nights a year, it's, it's shared based on the current, current average rates on the, on the platform. So, so yeah, putting it down to a minimum would, might be limiting. STR Nation, want to know how I gained $817,000 in equity in 19 months using none of my own money? Well, if you haven't already heard me talk about boutique hotels, I just recorded an 18-minute case study for my private mastermind group on how I bought a tiny 13-unit hotel in Rockport and more than doubled its value from 2.25 to 5.5 million in 19 months. But instead of keeping this one a secret, I decided to share it with you guys completely free. Just go to www.strsecrets.com hotels to access the case study and promise in just 18 minutes, you'll know why boutique hotels are my favorite STR strategy in 2023. I break down everything from the renovations, the location, the investment, the equity, the financing, and how to take advantage of forced appreciation 
So when you have 20 minutes, go to www.strsecrets.com hotels. And now let's get into this week's episode. So yeah, it's- how, does, how does, like, let's say there's two, two guys that are listening now or two girls that are listening now, brothers, cousin, whatever. And they have an idea of like creating like creating a SaaS and creating like an OTA because this is kind of an OTA. Where did you guys go first? Like what, what does this process look like? What are actionable steps that people can take if they're like, oh, I want to create an OTA for people that like flying airplanes into Montana? Like what does that, what does that look like? You're talking in terms of basically any kind of a software or... Um... Yeah, how did you guys like, since it, it didn't sound like you have any background in like OTA web development, app development, anything like that. How does, how, how do you make it happen? I was, we started off with the concept and then basically we're, we were vetting different um, development, you know, agencies to assist with the app development or the web app development rather. Um, but my, my brother-in-law is a, has had multiple tech related startups that then his company is called Blender and uh, they had their in-house development team and we were chatting about it and he really caught the vision for the, the uh, company. He's had short-term rentals. And so basically he brought in his entire team. So, Pretty much the, the company's made up of about 11 of us now. Um, and we had, we brought in some, you know, some uh, uh, overseas, help some or... contract help, but pretty much the, the lion's share is being uh, on his team. And, and so their development expertise is what's making it possible in that regard. <laughs> Definitely not working in that lane because that was the, we, we realized really quickly that was not our strong suit. <laughs> no, yeah, because to me, that's that's one of the main things that you like, you can think that it's super cool to create oh. an OTA and our, 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 oh, everything. our friend yeah. Rachel is creating one for like midterm rentals. And I'm like, it's a whole business. And like, it's, it's like, unless you know what you're doing, like, I'm like, that's, that to me would feel like quite a bit of a, of a one of the things if somebody was listening and was had an idea and wanted to do something michael fisk and devin um devin linder are partners and basically i think it's really critical especially if you're if you're resource constrained financially or you're trying to get something off the ground you know kind of shoestring um you know finding somebody who catches the same vision but has that skill set and giving them equity in the company is, is the best thing, you know, I think you can do get your values aligned and have a real understanding of like, you know, just there, ideally, you know, it's, it's somebody you've known for more than a few months. Like, I think it's really good if you, you know, with any business partnership there, there's a, uh, it's, it carries a degree of risk. Um, but especially as brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things you can, uh, you can do is just get, get somebody aligned and, and motivated by the by the success of the business and not not just a contract uh you know hired gun type of a thing yeah that's based on our experience <laughs> yeah. so what's the, i always love to talk to founders just because i always find it so fascinating like what what's the vision that you guys have for where you want to take this i would say you know a big a big thing that's um that that we see as this being kind of like if, if we if i was to define like something where we're really trying to like lead in or a, or a new industry that's just, we feel like we're kind of on the cusp of is, is, you know, obviously the sharing economy is something that is really, that's really been taking off with, you know, uh, pioneers like Airbnb and, you know, and Uber. But what I, what I think is interesting is like both, both of those models are, are so like, are so incredible 
and they're, they're, they have they have their place, of course. And but it's all it's all um, provider to consumer, right? So it's like it's all going to be transactional, you know, cash. You know, you're you're paying for something, and so this, this idea of it's almost you know it's a barter it's a bartering thing where it's 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 provider to provider. And, you know, in, in a currency that, you know, you guys are, you guys are trading value exchange. Uh, uh, well, like, a, yeah, a like item. So it's, it's a STR for STR, but it's globally rather than like a, what, you know, traditional bartering is, which it would be like a, maybe like a non or a perishable item, you know, that is, that is local, but it's actually global, you know? So, so I like, I like that concept of, you know, the, the space that we're, we're in is, is this provider to provider kind of barter you know economy it, yeah it falls under that umbrella and and which i think is is different from a lot of things i've, I've seen and, and it's because of that a lot of like the the hurdles that we've had to get past like how do you for instance like how do you have any sort of accountability with um you know with with trading something you know how, how do you make sure somebody else is going to provide back to you once you provide them you know something and how you know how we do that is through the calendar and you know, if they want to have revenue nights, they're not going to block out their calendar last minute. But that's our way of making sure it's available on HostShare as well. Um, you know, if it is available, and so, so I think that's that's a really interesting, an, an, just an interesting industry that we're that I haven't really seen many other companies dive into. So, it sometimes takes some some uh, education or, or communication for hosts to understand, and once they grasp it, most times people really get excited about it, but it's, it's not something that's really easy to convey. It's, it's a new way of thinking about it and the kind of the evolution of the sharing economy. I think we're sort of the next logical step. Uh, a lot of people are like, man, I can't believe nobody else has done this since, you know, haven't thought of this earlier. And it, it's an interesting thing because like, as you guys know, Airbnb has gotten, you know, um, has, has gone through some public, you know, um, criticism over some of the higher commissions and, you know, cleaning fees and price transparency. Um, there's, you know, counties and, and regulations being uh, very harsh on STRs. And, and so there's this kind of pushback as, as the, as the industry has grown so rapidly, there's been some learning curves I know along the way for them. And, and in many ways, I think what we're doing, uh, you know, is counter cyclical and in, in that, you know, when, when cash dries up, this is one way that people can still make use of, of their asset to, to, to provide some real value to them. And then also like the other thing that's really interesting is that because you're not charging nightly rates, there's no commissions or, or um, taxes that like you, you couldn't really re put a price on a lot of these things because there's no money changing hands. And so it's just one more way that it, it eliminates extra cost and, and makes things more mobile, I guess. Yeah. How big do you think you guys will take this? Like, what's the vision for how big you'll you'll go? I think we'll we'll see that by so basically November we're on track to do a thousand um, for sort of right after our beta, we should have about a thousand hosts on board, and that's primarily the U.S., Costa Rica, and then the U.K. And so my hope and our hope is that we can do a twenty percent onboarding month over month for the first year, which would bring us to about seven thousand. Um, and if you have 7,000, I think it becomes less of an early adopter thing at that point and more of a network effect that begins to happen where you have a lot more broad market appeal to, you know, people seeing more traditional traveler, you know, stereotypes. And so I think 
that would be the first 12 months. I consider that a success if we could grow to the 7,000 in that first 12 months. So when yeah. did it go live? Just so I'm clear. So you guys have a thousand hosts on there. When did you go live? We have, we have pre-beta signups right now. So the beta will be live in about a month. And that first thousand is, is pretty much going to be without cost to anybody. It's going to be, you know, that's part of why we're doing this now is to get people who are interested in learning and growing with us along the way a little bit and, you know, willing to put up with some, some platform bugs in the, in the mix of launching. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, shit, a thousand houses and you guys haven't like formally launched yet. I mean, that's shows you guys are gaining some traction. I think if it does take off, I can see how this would apply to like immediately I go to like, I'm a car guy. So like I've got some nice cars. It's like, okay, well, if I let somebody it'd be a little dicier with cars, but if I let somebody take my baby out and then I can go grab, I don't know, a 911 Turbo S or whatever, you know, for a day. I think that same thing with boats, you know, Freedom Boat Club, a little bit different, but I, I could see that model kind of working as the sharing economy evolves over time. So I think it's, I think it's a really cool concept. I think like E said, it's, it's the perfect concept for somebody that's, they bought a vacation house, they want to rent it to pay for itself and they like to travel. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll give three weeks, you know, this thing's going to pay for itself. I don't need to make a ton of money on it and I'll get to go stay somewhere else. You know, we want to travel. Mm -hmm. I just took uh, my son's friend from school and his family, they stayed with us up in New Hampshire. And the thing that he brought up was, you know, I'd love to buy one of these, but then I'm going to feel tied that when we go away, I feel like I'm going to feel guilty if I don't go stay here. Yeah. Right. So somebody like that, this is perfect. You know what I mean? And to add to that, that's a, that's one reason why like management companies, for instance, that we've gotten some feedback from management companies saying like, oh, you know, cause we thought that would, be, it would be a big, hang up on on their end because it's like this is non-revenue nights you know last minute and we're like you know so how do you how do you incentivize that but what's interesting too is that they uh they, they mentioned that they they say like well if, if people don't feel like they have to come back to their house you know all the like every year you know if they live in say you know boston but they own a house in orlando they're always going to orlando because they feel like they have to go there and then those nights aren't, you know, aren't revenue nights for that property anyways. And so, but they book those in advance and, and it could be prime season and all that. And so, so from, from a management uh, standpoint, if they had the ability to go anywhere, you know, in, anywhere close to Boston or, you know, Massachusetts, wherever, you know, it, then they can go to those places for, for, you know, free essentially, and, and not necessarily feel like they have to go back to the, the place that the management company holds, you know. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting concept too. And to add to what Elena was saying a little bit ago, I just was thinking about this, but we've got friends and family that have also owned hotels. And, you know, one thing that added to the vision of HostShare was that idea of when you're a Marriott member, you get to go, you know, last minute to, to the hotels and family, the friends and family like discount essentially and you can get these upgrades last minute and really good pricing. And so, so we also saw it as like, this is a, a cool opportunity to be like a club for short-term rental hosts and where, you know, where they all kind of have this, this um, shared sense of responsibility and, and community, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time. This is very interesting. I haven't seen anybody else come up with this. So kudos to you guys for, you know, kind of spearheading this, this new yeah. home sharing niche within itself. So before we get into the last question, where can folks learn more about you guys and host share and everything that you guys got going on? 
the website is just hostshare.co. So um, that's going to be where if you're most interested in hostshare itself, if you're interested in tracking with Sean and I, it's just Landon Wilkinson and Sean Wilkinson on any of the uh, of the platforms. But uh, probably a lot more interesting to follow the website than Sean and I individually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just go oh, on the there. Website looks good. I was just poking around on there. It looks cool. Yeah, and you you guys seem to have an interesting life, so I feel like following you guys as well will be quite fun between. <laughs> Between the sailboat and the airplanes and and everything else you guys get going on, you know. Oh, yeah, if we survive through the launch of Osher, you know. Then yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, the the last question we ask all of our guests is, "What is your number one secret to success with short term rentals?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I might take. I, I would think uh, for we've done a number of different kinds. We've had, you know, in our apartments, we created one Airbnb um, space. We did, you know, um, like a traditional house, like a single family residence. We did an Airbnb out of, and I by far the best like return on investment. I think this is pretty widely accepted now, but when we first did it, it wasn't as clear is that like that, that size that, you know, two bedroom, one bath with a really unique aspect to it. One, we did a container home. Um, and then we also did a, like a renovation of this hundred year old barn into an Airbnb and by far, like just the, the ROI and like the enjoyment for me setting up and, and doing a short-term rental that has something that's sort of, it's not just like your, your uh, suburban house, you know, it's got something, uh, a unique aspect to it. And I think that that has become pretty common knowledge, especially through like COVID and whatnot, that seems to become, you know, these tiny A-frame cabins and like what's performing and, and the best return on investment. But but yeah, like the container home, super interesting to build. I, I enjoyed that aspect and it's, and it's done far outperformed, you know, uh, much larger houses with more expensive, you know, traditional aspects to them. Yeah. I would say don't skimp on the last like 5% of your investment, you know, like if you can stand out just that last, that last little bit makes so much of a difference. And I, I heard from a manager once he said, he said, you've got, you've got the, the payer, and then you've got the parasites of, of, uh, you know, of any stay. So you've got, you've got the person that's paying and then you've got the people that come along with them. And so those, those, you know, the, the secondary rooms and all that where kids go really like, I mean, it doesn't really mean, it doesn't mean a whole lot with like how, how your place performs. It's like you, you, you invest in the, in the master bedroom, that, you know, the master bedroom, those, those, um, those areas that the payer is, you know, most, most interested by, and it's not going to be like exactly what the, you know, what the kids all, all want. Um, so those, I think those are the, the two things that come to mind, but. Okay, cool. Well, again, I appreciate you guys coming on here. Uh, as always, I love talking to founders, especially like unique new concepts, just like getting an understanding of the thought process and where it came from. So yeah. uh, excited to see where you guys take this. And uh, again, congrats for getting into a thousand houses, you know, as part of the beta. That's freaking awesome. So shout out to you guys for listeners. Go check out hostshare.co. We'll have all the links down in the show notes. And uh, thanks again, as always, for tuning in, folks. Have an amazing week and we will talk to you guys soon. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.